This is the Amazing Starts Here podcast. That's Billy Horner. My name is Keith Rad. As we wrap up the first week of the minor leagues, today we get a chance to look back at the first week of the St. Lucie Mets. And we do it with their broadcaster, Adam McDonald, who has been there since 2014 calling St. Lucie Mets games, which are now played low A, but it doesn't matter. They have Francisco Alvarez and Pico Armstrong, who we will talk about in depth. And uh, someone in PCA, Pico Armstrong, that, Bill, you're just kind of jealous and waiting for him to hit 1,000, which could probably happen by the end of the week and then get moved up to Brooklyn so you can smile again. Yeah, I, I sit and look at these box scores and, and salivate like it's a steak dinner. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> Alvarez and, and Pico Armstrong, they're, they're on base four times a game. They're doing everything you want. They, uh, they're, they're as advertised. I mean, that's, what it, that's all you can basically say. I mean, it's been a week into the season, but we're lucky enough here in Brooklyn. Obviously, we have... Ronnie Mauricio and we have Brett Beatty who are off to great starts themselves. But, um, you know, people talk about the depth of the Mets farm system, um, the, the, the top half of it. And when you're looking at these top 10 prospects, these are, these are dudes. Like these are, these are big time players. These are guys that are impact major league players. And, uh, I think you're seeing it early on in the season. You know, Pete Crow Armstrong, this is his first time playing professional baseball. He didn't play last year because of the draft and the, and the COVID year. And he's, he's, 19 years old and he's just getting on base and hitting the ball all over the place and, and making diving catches and doing everything you expect. And Francisco Alvarez, he's, he is who he is. You know, he's the best number one prospect and there's a reason for that. So, um, I was very lucky to, to, to see these guys and hopefully, you know, they'll be up here in Brooklyn relatively soon. So you can listen to the show on Spotify and on Apple podcasts. And if you go to twitter.com slash amazing starts, you can catch it there as well. Our conversation with Adam McDonald, of the St. Lucie Mets. So the, the youth of the Mets prospects and the future rests in usually in Brooklyn, but a lot in St. Lucie. You have the number one prospect, Francisco Alvarez, and Pico Armstrong right behind him. How is the first week seeing those guys live and uh, kind of dominant, it seems, in those games? They sure were dominant. Uh, it did not disappoint at all. Like They came out swinging hard, playing hard, uh, probably the most amazing thing I found was just the energy. Like they put up great numbers, but they were so energetic, fired up for each other. And you knew usually, you know, we were advanced day in the past, so there was certainly energy, but this is such youthful exuberance from those two. It was quite impressive to see. And of course the numbers to match. I mean, Alvarez, he walked nine times, uh, Jupiter at, you know, basically after the first game, they had no interest in pit. He had four hits the first game. They had no interest in pitching to him after that. Uh, he made a pinch hit appearance on the, the second day and they walked him on four pitches. <laughs> they just went in a tie game. They wanted nothing to do with them. And then, yeah, Pete's not far behind statistically with him and, you know, such discipline for a leadoff hitter. I think he, he reached base not uh, seven consecutive plate appearances at one point in the middle of the series. And uh, he's so electric in center field, too. He made a play. Um, on a ball that was hit by Osiris Johnson to Jupiter. Osiris Johnson thought he had a home run. Uh, he was jogging down the line like Sammy Sosa. He bat flipped. Uh, the ball was knocked down at the wall by the right fielder. Pete came screaming in, uh, fielded the ball off the wall, threw to the cutoff man who threw back to first base to get Johnson, who had gone too far. And and when Johnson was called out at first, Pete was jumping up and down a mile high. He was fired up you know, to stick with the play that could have been a home run off the bat and to get the guy back out at first 
was impressive. So uh, they they both did it all defensively and offensively and with their energy in the dugout and locker room this week. Billy, you okay? I know that Billy's very excited that Pete Crow Armstrong is just a level away from Brooklyn that he could see him in person. Every day I check the box score. All right, three more hits. Here he comes. Here he comes. I, I can't <laughs> wait for this dude to get to Brooklyn. He's just, you know, we, we talked to him before the season started and he's just, he's like a 30 year old man in terms of his um, professionalism and, and how he carries himself. So I'm just excited to, to, to see him play. Um, and, you know, Al- Alvarez is obviously, you know, his, his bat is not the concern at this point. They're, they're working on him behind the plate. Um, how has he been, I guess, to, to get started in the season? Have you, have you seen um, anything noticeable about, you know, what he needs to work on or, or what they're concerned with behind the plate in terms of him getting ready? Um, to, I mean, if he's going to be the number one prospect in, in baseball, it's going to be because he's, he's a catcher and, and not just because of his bat. So what have you seen that, that uh, raises a red flag or, or sort of, you know, you've been pleasantly surprised by? I think I've been pleasantly surprised. I haven't seen anything to be a real cause of concern. I think the plan for him right now is to basically catch three days a week. So it's not like he's out there all six games. So it's just a small sample size so far. But uh, he did have a play in the first game. I think the first runner who got on in the first inning uh, tried to steal second and did successfully. Alvarez threw it on the money. Tag was applied. Looked out. Everybody thought he was out. Umpire called him safe. Nothing to do about that. But uh, the throw was there. It was on target. Uh, so that looks strong. He's basically blocked everything. He's smothering balls. Uh, I think it's a good sign for his development that even when the bases are empty and there's a ball that's in the other batter's box, he's sliding to it. He's using his body, blocking it. So uh, he's going all out back there. So not only those two guys, PCA and, and Francisco Alvarez, but other prospects that you have, I mean, Jalen Palmer that you've seen so far has kind of been a staple in the middle of the lineup. What have you seen from Palmer and then any other guys that have jumped out at you over the first week? Uh, yeah, Palmer's look good. He's uh, uh, on a five-game hit streak. He, uh, I was a little concerned, not concerned, but a little worried for him on opening night because everybody on the team had a hit except for him. And in his last at-bat, and I was like, oh, he's got to do this now. And what does he do? He triples with the bases loaded and drives in three. Uh, and he's he's played in center field. He's played second base. He's played third base. Uh, so he's he's been all around. Um, uh, Junior Santos, he's probably the top pitching prospect on the team. He's only made uh, one turn in the rotation, but he looked good, you know, just a really young guy. Um, so uh, in his, I think, first game is, you know, number four starter, uh, he looked pretty good. And uh, Juan Suarez, he's hung tough um, in his two starts. He was opening day starter, and then we came back full circle yesterday. Uh, he's gotten in some trouble at some points, but he hasn't let that really affect him too much. He wiggles his way out of it and keeps the team uh, in the games. So uh, those two guys are from the pitching staff. Uh, have looked pretty good. And then, of course, uh, Garrison Bryant. Uh, he started one game, uh, five shutout innings. He seemed to be, you know, cool, calm, in command, throwing a lot of strikes, working quickly. And that's uh, appreciated by all in St. Lucie because, you know, we, we could use a fast game or two. Yeah, from from a team that's had two four-hour games so far, I think uh, we, we can all uh, breathe a sigh of relief whenever Garrison is going to pitch. Um, so you talk about Jalen Palmer, and he had been – uh, predominantly an, an infielder uh, playing third, mostly in Kingsport the last time that they were um, playing, I guess, you know, the, that side of the infield, at least um, when he transitioned to center, I mean, he's only played, I think one game there so far or a, a handful of games. Um, it, was it noticeable in terms of, you know, that he looked uncomfortable or was it something that, you know, he, he, you wouldn't have known that he hadn't been out there before? No, you really wouldn't have known that he would have been out there. I mean, just the, the depth he played that appeared to be, you know, average, normal, uh, he had a few fly balls hit to him, um, nothing strenuous, 
kind of you know can of corn plays and he ma- he made them all so if you didn't you know he wasn't tested essentially but um just seeing him walk around out there yeah, it didn't look like he was um you know out of sorts and also i should mention that brandon Fryman, uh you know he's been an electric player so far too his speed uh any ground ball that's routine he makes close play at first base uh, anything that's going to be out of routine for an infielder in this league at this level uh, he's going to beat out and uh he's also uh, flex and power with the home run the other night. So I uh, don't want to leave him out. You talked about the speed for this team. Uh, by con- con- contrast, the Cyclones stole zero bases last week. You guys stole 14. Uh, so We stole nine, nine in one game. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, yeah. What is that even a testament to? Just uh, poor catching? Just everybody running on the first week? What's going on? Basically, and with our new rule here, the two-step-off rule, basically a pitcher can, once he steps off twice, he can't do it again unless he actually gets the out at first base or wherever he's throwing to. So uh, guys are taking advantage of that, no question. And we did have somebody for Jupiter violate that rule uh, at some point. He just accidental, you know, brain fog, uh, just, you know, that's what he's been doing his whole life. He just, whoops, stepped off for a second for the third time and... Uh, whoever was on base for us on second at the time, right to third for the balk. So that's certainly going to play a role um, in this league, no question. So it was just a balk. I thought you know there would be snipers on the roof or something like that if somebody threw over a third time. Good. I'm, I'm glad. No, not quite. <laughs> you kind of felt that way, but no, just um, another another thing that I've you know has been getting some play up here at least is that that these guys are getting to use the big league clubhouse this season, and uh, that's got to be. Uh, very exciting for for them. I mean, going from now that technically you guys are, you know, the the, uh, the complex league and then you guys. So, you know, it's it's a lot of these guys first stop, Pete Crow's first stop. Um, and they're getting to use the, this just immaculate uh, big league locker room. So that's that's got to get these guys pretty pumped. It, it is unbelievable. And you kind of got almost got to pinch yourself that, you know, these guys are basically, you know, fresh to the organization or, you know, have only been there a year or two and all of a sudden they – you know, go from a Kingsport style locker room or, you know, the minor league side, which isn't, you know, doesn't have all the bells and whistles. And all of a sudden they're in the major leagues side with, you know, six TVs and, you know, an awesome sound system and the, the you know, the mood lighting essentially and the beautiful carpet. And, you know, we've had to take out, you know, things like uh, couches and tables and, you know, extra chairs just for the COVID, you know, rules. But um, it's, it's really almost necessary because there's no other, place you know we have 29 30 guys and we have to space them out you know every other locker so it's really no other choice but to use the major league locker room but yeah they they're certainly enjoying it and we'll be going to daytona tomorrow and uh it's going to be a a world of pain going from the home mets locker room to the visiting uh basically closet in daytona yeah we have our own sound system it's a air conditioner that sounds like a jet engine so that's, that's, that's what we have in, in our locker room. They come to Hopefully when we send these guys up to you, they don't want to come back down. Yeah, for sure. that, that's, that sounds about right. I wanted to ask you about the uh, electronic strike zone that was supposed to be introduced this year in, in the low A Southeast to select games. So what do you know about that? What's the plan? Is it by team? Is it by time? What, what's going on? Yeah, I've been uh, somewhat involved because I, I do a lot of the facility work. Uh, when Major League Baseball tries to do some initiatives like that, like I was involved in the installations of the clock, just as a site person to help people out where they need to be and such like that. So I did the same with, uh, with the automatic ball strike system, basically helping um, you know, the tech make sure that he gets the equipment to the umpires. So I, I've, I've learned a little bit about it. We did not have it the first two games, but we did have it the final four games of the series. And basically they want 
teams in this league to have it about 66% of their games. Uh, for instance, uh, it, it's not going to work the same for everybody because Daytona does not have the infrastructure to host the technology. So no Daytona home game will ever have the automatic ball strike system. But every time they go on the road, uh, they the road team will have it for them. So they're going to get half and half. Um, so basically it evens out uh, on average that for our home games and our road games to non-Daytona, for the six uh, games we'll have it. Um, I thought as it went on, uh, it's interesting from the fan perspective because the, f- the fans are oblivious. What happens is the umpire has an iPad or an iPod attached to his back of his belt buckle and it has an earpiece. And it basically, as it crosses the front of the plate, uh, two-dimensional strike zone, a Siri voice will tell him ball or strike. And then he relays that. And it's supposed to say it in his earpiece, I think a quarter second after uh, it registers. And so there's minimal time in when the ball crosses and hits the um, the mid of the catcher from when the umpire is actually saying it. You can't tell if you're in the stands. Uh, but, you know, those borderline pitches that pitchers are used to getting and that fans are used to seeing the umpire call, they're just not getting called. Uh, it's very black and white. You're either, it's either strike or ball. There's no borderline called strike. Uh, so it's interesting listening to the fans and kind of seeing the player and pitcher's reaction as if they've been expecting, all right, you know, it's a seven run game. It's in the eighth inning, you know, the strike zone's expanding. Why is that not called the strike? Well, because it's black and white. It's the same from the first pitch to the last pitch. So I, I thought, I thought the frustration grew as the series went on for players and for pitchers and for batters and for the fans. As a, as a broadcaster, you, you kind of get into that rhythm as the umpire is too. You know, you, you, you call your own strike zone as well. Have you seen pitches that you're like blown away that that was a strike, whether it's low in the zone or a breaking ball that just catches or something like that? I don't, I don't think I've been blown away. I think the zone's probably, you know, pretty darn consistent, but as a broadcaster, I've had, had to learn not to jump the gun just to give that extra beat to make sure to get in sync with the umpire because, you know, there's a pitch then it's like, oh, you think it's right there and the umpire kind of moves back a little bit and then nothing happens. And, or, or you were waiting for the punch out and it didn't come. Um, there, there was only maybe two or three times when I think there was an actual shock in the crowd and with the players that, oh, that was a strike or that was a ball. And the umpire maybe himself, uh, you know, was kind of a little off put. Maybe that's why he did a little twist or move back. But uh, it's going to be a work in progress. Uh, I'm, my, rec- my, my hope at some point as we move forward is that um, they expand it a, just a little bit, just a, a little bit. And I, and I know both uh, dugouts come equipped with an iPad and the coaches see who's at the plate and they see the strike zone and they can flag pitches that they disagree with. And MLB does get that data and hopefully that they can make adjustments as they need to. So I know they, they did this in the Atlantic League um, in 2019, and we had our former pitching coach and, and Mets pitcher Frank Viola was uh, a pitching coach in that league, and he became the first uh, coach to get thrown out by a robot umpire because he was he was arguing with uh, the home plate umpire. I think it might have been – we have a guy, local guy, Freddie DeJesus, who does – games here when umpires would get hurt or something like that and he does Atlantic League games and it's you know exactly what you said a Siri voice saying ball Siri voice saying strike so it's not even this guy Frank Viola lost it and got thrown out of the game so I can't that'll be an interesting uh visual I think for 
for that league when there's inevitably there's going to be somebody who complains or slams their bat down or something. Um, so other than that, you had the, your first experience with the the, the six game um, series. You know, for us, we had a, a, a game where um, a guy who used to play in the Mets organization hit a home run and threw the bat to the moon. Oh, yes. yes, and, he did. Uh, yes he did. It, went, it went a little bit viral and stuff like that. And I was expecting it to be a little more interesting over the next few games, uh, especially with a six-game series where um, tempers might you know flare up a little bit. Um, that was not the case. There was a lot of runs scored. Um, I don't know if Asheville is actually in the Rockies or something like that, but um, what, what, did, what did you notice about your first six-game series and if there was anything that was a little out of the ordinary? Yeah, well, one of my thoughts was what you just mentioned, that, you know, uh, you know, players getting activated with each other, you know, in game two or three, and then instead of just letting it disperse after a four-game series, they got to play, you know, 18 more innings. And we did have Garrison Bryant hit uh, one of the Jupiter prospects on accident, and the Jupiter prospect, you know, stared him down, kind of took a couple of steps towards him. Alvarez had to come in and shield, and I was like, oh, boy, this is happening in game three, and we got... Uh, three more to go, but nothing came after that. It was all good. Um, so I didn't sense anything wrong with that. And of course, this is just series one. Uh, you know, we played Daytona in the next series and then two series later, we played Daytona again. So that's going to be 12 times in you know, the span of three weeks. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, I did find interesting that, you know, uh, at least for us, uh, two relievers made three appearances. I said, that I can't remember a series in the Florida state league where a reliever would come in and face an opponent, you know, three times in a series. Um, so how did that impact? I'm not quite sure. Um, I, I still think the pitchers are, you know, despite, you know, if they throw strikes, uh, I still think they have the advantage. So not to mention your broadcasting, but you also moonlight as a, a slight George Costanza as the, is the assistant to the traveling secretary or your official title, probably traveling secretary. Uh, what what is that uh, like for you, and what 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 does that entail? Uh, basically, just uh, dealing with the bus company, making sure that you know we have uh, the bus times correct. We've had the bus actually rented, uh, the hotels, you know, booking all the hotels, making sure we have enough rooms, uh, making sure that you know, letting the hotel know when we're going to arrive, if we're going to be late, uh, just things like that. Just kind of off. It's mostly off season duties, and I think. All of us that work in minor league baseball who are full-timers, especially broadcasters, have to do a lot more than uh, you know, just broadcasting if they're going to be full-time. So that's just one of the things that falls on me. But we're having our first trip coming up, and uh, you know, it's the first one with the new coaching staff. So just want to make sure that uh, you know, they know what to expect with our bus company and with the hotel that you know, I've stayed at for years now, but they're going to be brand new too. Um, hopefully it goes smooth. Uh, first road trip of the year, you never know. Uh, but everything should be fine. Everything's lining up well, and uh, hopefully I can sleep tonight. There's uh, Some players have actually been texting me wondering where the Ritz-Carlton is this year. Is the Westin going to be part of the trip? You know, what? Why are we staying at another uh, you know, Motel 6 kind of thing? What, <laughs> do you get a budget for that? Do you get any any input in, in picking a nice hotel here and there? Uh, no. Basically, it's up to each. Just like you guys know, it's up to each team to partner with the local hotel, and that's the suggested hotel that the visiting team goes to, but you know, we're in Florida and, uh, you know, the hotels are, you know, uh, they're nice hotels, um, for the most part. So I think, uh, our hotel in Daytona is a beachside resort. Um, so basically guys are going to like look out their window and the Atlantic ocean is right there. So they're going to enjoy this one. No question. Sounds just like your trips to uh Hudson Valley and Tri-City there, Keith. Yeah, exactly. 
there's a puddle outside my room. <laughs> I had um, traveling secretary duties when I was with the Mets. I've been working there for, I don't know, five weeks at this time. And Willie Randolph was the manager and his wife flew into uh, West Palm. And I forgot to book a cab to pick her up. I was convinced Willie Randolph was going to get me fired immediately. So I know the the struggle is real when you're booking uh, travel for all these guys. It's a, a uh, underappreciated part of a lot of the minor league baseball uh, back and forth and semantics of what goes on in these in these ballparks and getting people places. Well, Adam McDonald, you have a stacked roster. Uh, hopefully, as uh, as we feel for you, that you keep those players as long as possible. We know how tough it can be when players play out of the league. You don't. You don't. You don't mean that. <laughs> we've got enough. We've got we got Beatty up here. We've got Mauricio. Oh, yeah. So we're we're content right now. But if you want to send them, Billy Billy's going to have them have them booked pretty soon. My shrine to PCA is behind the camera. You can't see it, but it's, it's well, right those over there. Are, those are guys that we hope never play for the St. Lucie Mets. And you look at all the Mets farmhands through the years who have made it to the majors, made an impact. They've all at some point come through St. Lucie, every one of them. Uh, but now it's, you know, with the COVID year and the change of levels that, you know, we miss Mauricio, we miss Beatty, we miss... Uh, We're all going to miss Matt Allen, I think, this year. Now Matt Allen, uh, Vientos. Vientos, another one. We never got him, so... Uh, yeah, that, that'll look a little strange. There'll be like a hole there. Like, these guys didn't play for the St. Lucie Mets, but they made it to the Mets. Um, but that's okay. At least uh, now we should get really everybody as they uh, enter the system. Well, it's good to talk to you. Enjoy the rest of the year and enjoy those, those beachside hotels. Thanks for thanks for ruining my day, honestly, Adam. Uh, but <laughs> have a good one, man. Thank you. All right. Thanks, thanks guys. <laughs>